0: Welcome to the Contractor's Best Friend podcast. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey. We're brought to you today by fourconstructionpros.com and we're sponsored by Caterpillar. And joining us in the studios again is Jason Hurtis. He is construction and uh, industry's core and aggregates expert on equipment. Lonnie Fritz will join us from a heavy and highway construction viewpoint and the products there. And Scott Hagerman, looking through the eyes of great technology and equipment. And we also have a special guest. He joined us in part two, and we're calling this part three of technology quick takes, is a gentleman by the name of Chris Seeger. And Chris is the fleet manager and over DOT and compliance for a large organization based in Dallas, Texas called PaveCon, and they're in about nine locations. Chris, thank you for agreeing to come back for this part three. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. Guys, we worked through the excavator, the dozer, and then the wheel loaders with a little bit more depth and specificity. What I'd like for now to happen is, Lonnie, let's get into the motor graders. And again, take us a little deeper on the motor graders. And again, look at it through the eyes. You got a contractor here. What might be some things you'd want to emphasize to him that maybe he doesn't even know?
1: Yeah, sure. And and I guess, Chris, to start out here is just helping understand do you have motor graders in your fleet? If so, how do you utilize those?
2: Yeah, we own a couple of motor graders. We also rent a couple of motor graders. You know, a lot of just dirt work, prepping uh, subdivisions, moving dirt around. I guess the biggest thing is just grading before we pave the subdivision.
1: Okay, great. Great applications for motor graders these days. Like you said, they're capable of moving material, obviously in an excavation setting, even spreading the material when the machine's really set up, especially in that offset mode, all the way to finish grading and meeting the tightest specifications out there to millimeter accuracy. When we look at those features, that's on the grade control side, which whether it be 2D cross slope, even attaching sonic laser, all the way up to getting into our newest massless uh, GNSS GPS 3D grade control. There are other features built into the machine, especially the next generation machines here that we're bringing out, like the 140, 150, 160, that really help the operator produce a... Better finished product with fewer inputs, less stress on the operator and the machine. And one of those I want to um, bring to the audience's attention here, and maybe you're already even using Chris, is Stable Blade. And as we've all seen, if a machine gets a little excited, a little out ahead of itself, we start to get that harmonic bounce. And what Stable Blade does is takes out that harmonic bounce, preventing that washboard effect. Similar to a dozer that's rising and falling and rising and falling, we tend to then come back and somewhat trace that effect. So really it helps limit those surface imperfections. And Chris, I'd like to, you know, kick it back to you here. Do you see that in your operations and experience? Some of those undulations, if you will, or that washboarding effect behind the moldboard?
2: Absolutely. I have uh, been on a few job sites and, and recently one of them, and, and we noticed that, yeah, you know, like kind of the washboard effect, and they were going back over and, and regrading that area. So I don't honestly know a lot about the stable blade technology, but I'm very interested in it.
1: Sure, sure. And and the the primary way that the onboard technology and that real wizardry behind the effect with the uh, hardware and the software, it senses that bounce and it reduces the engine RPMs to let that blade settle down and take off again. It doesn't stop it, but it allows it to feather out, if you will, and create again that smooth, desirable surface. That's one feature I wanted to share with you and something that is even newer than stable blade is what we call cap production measurement or cpm now we always have to be specific when we hear of cat production measurement because in jason's world to jason that means cat production measurement payload but as a higher overarching view when it looks at motor graders versus uh maybe a wheel loader in jason's camp that he's talked about previously what is it that the motor grader is doing or has been doing and and we really measure some of the key features and three i want to share with you right now how much time has the motor grader been roading just as we know especially in township governmental applications it is a highly versatile machine but also a very mobile machine being on tires that gets roaded from project to project how much time has been spent actually blading right blade on the ground doing that actual being hopefully effective utilization with that revenue generating work and then third is ripping How much time has this machine spent ripping and scarifying? That again falls under cap production measurement. It really helps understand in the back office what is and what is not this machine doing. So again, Chris, as you look at your operations, the competitive nature, we all know that schedules usually aren't increasing in time. They're just getting more expedited. These are some features that really show, hey, we made the investment in the machine. Now, what is it doing or not doing? And how can we uh, maybe use it even as a training aspect uh, to improve our operations?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Production is huge. Getting the most out of that machine and then really figuring out how we use it on the job site. Like I said, roading around or actually working, looking at that is really important. One thing to step back really quick, massless, a GPS, the integrated GPS that you were talking about earlier, that really interests me. That's really exciting that it looks like things are starting to move to that. I think just, I'm sure everybody's dealt with this, having those GPS on the ends of the mo the board, um, you know, they can easily get damaged or it can just be really expensive. So getting everything integrated is great for the contractor.
1: Yeah. And I really appreciate that feedback. The voice of our customers is most important to us than anything. And we continue to receive those great positive feedback and comments on the massless systems. when it comes to 3D, like you said, Chris, it's safer, easier, easier to maintain. We're not looking at operators out there trying to pitch their moldboard forward to take off these devices as the thunderstorms are rolling in to prevent theft and things like that as they're bolted onto the, the actual machine now. I know we've talked about excavators and dozers and wheel loaders, motor graders here, but you know, it all really comes down to that most important aspect of any movement of material and placement of material, and that's compaction. And I want to take just a little twist here in the conversation, Chris, to ask you, you know, your compaction practices, what type of compactors do you use? And have you employed intelligent compaction from the standpoint of really machines reading that soil stiffness and even adding the mapping feature onto that in your operation?
2: Yeah, intelligent compaction is something that I have known about for several years. I've talked heavily with our local cat dealer about it, a bunch of numbers, um, really trying to figure out if it's right for us. And I really think it is. So um, the next step in, in the process is purchasing that machine, trying to figure out the life cycle of our current machines we have, and the next machine will definitely have intelligent compaction.
1: Great. Great. Yeah, it's, it again brings complete insight in the most important process. It's shown about less than 5% of the cost when you look at the complete, say, earth excavation of excavating, spreading, you know, and then compacting the lift. But as you know, <laughs> those of us who have been in the industry, you're not going to go on with another lift if the inspector doesn't pass the current lift for compaction, moisture, and density of what, what you just placed. So it is really a key, and I would encourage any listeners out there that may have heard of it, it's not for asphalt only. It is for any material you put down, whether it be an aggregate, fine, coarse aggregate, or any type of soil. And there is compaction meter value accelerometer based and machine drive power, which is Caterpillar exclusive, where it measures that rolling resistance off of the drivetrain. So thought that was very fitting here as we're talking about all these machines that move the material. But at the end of the day, the job is not done until we compact it. And there's technology there for it.
0: So... Man, this is good stuff, guys. That's why I uh, thank you so much for that wealth of information. Chris, what I'd like to do, and and I want to include, obviously, Lonnie and Jason and Scott in this, I'd like to maybe just have a little roundtable question and answer kind of thing. Let me start this off with maybe a thought, and maybe you three guys can maybe even shed some light on this. One of the things that we've talked about in other podcasts is the need for more and more training with our employees. Chris, from a contractor standpoint, Is there anything that you're doing or wish were done better as it relates to training employees on equipment, especially new equipment, that's either leased or purchased? And and maybe give us, if you have some examples, and if you don't, that's fine. But I'd like to get some feedback from Lonnie and Jason and Scott, because this is something, again, that with this new generation coming in, we certainly are looking at people that I think it was uh, Jason that said earlier that the new generation doesn't know what a rearview mirror is. You know, they almost have to have a camera for everything. Can you give us some insights on the training aspect for new and not necessarily new employees, but employees that are new to a piece of equipment that you've either purchased or leased? Yeah, I think getting with the veteran
2: operator on the job site is always a good one. Um, Something that that I see a lot and I think can be utilized regularly is similar to like this podcast. I know Kat does a pretty good job of putting out videos, but continually putting out videos, even if it's on a basic skid steer, something smaller that's not advanced, just Getting, we may have a younger generation or somebody else that's never used a skid steer and being able to show maybe three five-minute videos or a 15-minute video on basic operation of a skid steer all the way up to how to use some of this technology. We all have smartphones. We're there. If we got five minutes on a job site. We got 30 minutes during lunch. We could watch some videos. I just, I think that that can be really impactful as a training tool. Chris, what about videos or training aids inside the cab? Absolutely. That would be fantastic.
3: And one of the things that we've done in some machines is putting in the uh, operator maintenance manual right there in the screen for the operator. gives them something to look at, something for them to reference. If they haven't used a button or a control in a while, they can quickly go into the screen and see what that control or that button may be doing or how it may enhance their operation. Uh, again, not to make it an interference in the cab, something else they got to pay attention to or look at. But something that they could find and view real quickly on a break or a downtime or during some
2: idle time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. All these, all the new machines have a screen in them now, and I can definitely see that being a really useful tool.
0: Let's stay on that thought for just a moment. And Scott, you and Lonnie can certainly chime in on this one as well as Jason. But you know, one of the things that, to your point. Chris, you just brought up almost everything has a screen now. And of course, everything has software as well. Should a contractor or Chris, are you responsible about the technology upgrades? I mean, we get upgrades on our apps, what, three times a month, it seems like. Do you get concerned with upgrades that they will, are they there? And, and if you lease versus buy, where does that come in at for you as a contractor? Is there anything your thoughts are on? On, on what might be an advantage to lease versus purchase, especially with the upgrade potential? I don't know that there's a
2: distinct advantage between leased or owned in my mind, but um, I definitely, if you have a good cat representative and he's there, he knows your equipment, he knows what maybe has a software upgrade or something. We recently had a favorite one of our divisions that went in for a service and the dealer was right on it and was like, hey, you got We have this upgrade to do and along with your service. So if you do own it and you're doing your own maintenance on it, um, you really probably need to stay in contact with the cat dealer. If the cat dealer is doing your maintenance, hopefully they will catch all those software upgrades or updates to those machines.
1: And Brad, I may add there, you know, as we continue to try to bring customers valuable solutions and knowing everything is going, so many things are going to the technology aspect and that is remote services, providing remote flash, providing remote troubleshoot. So if we just break those down very quickly, the remote flash is all focused, primarily focused, I should say, on those software updates. And that list is growing almost on a daily basis of the models that we offer that on. Because as we use the smartphone analogy, it's all based on the current software version to get the full effectiveness. Yeah. And then on the remote troubleshoot, it's trying to limit unnecessary trips by the technician so they can be best informed before they go to the job site, or even a situation where it can be troubleshot from a dealer, preventing a technician having touched the machine, being able to guide them through maybe a situation that can be resolved with the customer and the operator of the machine. Mm
0: -hmm. Chris, I I always love to ask this question of contractors, especially when I got three product experts on the hot seat. but. But let me ask you this question. Are, are there some areas of improvement that, not just these three guys, I love these guys, these guys are awesome, but even some of their dealers, and, and you, I know you don't just use Caterpillar equipment, but at the same time, is, are there things that you wish the dealers did a better job of or could do uh, more for a contractor that would be helpful on the selection, on the training, on the maintaining the relationship with you? i think on
2: the second podcast in this series um getting out to the job sites helping mm-hmm. us figuring out exactly what we're doing we may be missing something or we may be used to the same thing that we've we've done for the last five years and they may have some different perspective maybe it's from a different contractor that they saw or something that they know that that i have not been you know educated on or piece technology or something so i think just keeping that communication and working through me, but then also
0: through our job sites, through what we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. And and Chris, just a side note, do you, I don't know if it's a formal process, do you as a rule get input Fairly consistent from some of our operators in the company throughout the course of a year? Yeah, absolutely. And just as much as like I was just
2: saying that the CAT representative might be able to offer something that they saw or that a different contractor is doing or using. Our guys in the field, we all have friends and family and they may be in the industry and our operators are giving us feedback and they heard about something from somebody else and just trying to take all that in and
0: really figure out what's best for
2: us and for PaveCon.
0: Awesome. Scott, Jason, Lonnie, this has been great. Do you guys have any final thoughts or questions you'd like to maybe throw at Chris? I would just offer up the final thought.
1: Again, it goes back to partnerships, relationships, communication. Please continue for each and every one of you out there, including Chris, to leverage the dealer network. As you hear Chris go back to you so many times, and that is the, the dealer network. We're 161 strong worldwide dealers have more employees than Caterpillar does. So that's a true testament of how many individuals in their expertise are out there to serve our customers. Continue to leverage them and know that we have their backs inside Caterpillar here too. So amongst the three-legged stool, customer, dealer, and Caterpillar, we can solve a lot of things and make the world a better place.
3: Yeah, That's a good point. Again, Chris, don't be shy or don't be afraid to ask. I mean, there's unlimited resources at our dealership and we have 108,000 people at Caterpillar that can back up every dealership if need be. So if you need something, if something's not going right, you want something verified, check, use all the resources at your disposal to, again, make sure that you're keeping your production and your efficiency at its highest point.
0: Chris, I'm glad you're aware that we do have numerous updates in our technology, especially grade control, uh, which is near and dear to my heart. Quarterly, we have upgrades in the the software. So. If your dealer's not reaching out to you for these needs, remind yourself on a quarterly basis that Caterpillar has a new version, new features and benefits, and remind your dealer to give you the latest and greatest. Yeah, I just want to finish off with a real positive uh, about Caterpillar. Chris invited me to kind of a new equipment launching down in the Houston division a couple months ago. He personally had gotten balloons and crate paper and really had dolled up a new paver that had been delivered to the division there. And I think, Chris, there were three or four Caterpillar people there. I think that's right. Yeah, there was. And there was a gentleman that is one of their field techs that's based in Oklahoma. but He was there, but I was so impressed. And you three guys would have been proud. I mean, this was typical Caterpillar for me. But he spent an hour before the material was delivered. It was asphalt, obviously a paver, but he spent an hour walking with all of the employees and walked them around and explained every component of that paver. And it was interesting, the, the, the foreman, I caught the foreman, and when he first saw this rolled out, he, he got tears in his eyes. And I just let him take in the moment. After 20 or 30 minutes, I said, what does it feel like? He goes, you know, he had tears in his eyes. He wasn't bawling, but he had tears. He said, you know, I've never had a new, brand new paper before. And it was just cool. The Caterpillar guys that were there were awesome. They were very supportive. They, in fact, were really impressed that Chris had really dolled the thing up to, to have some fun with the crew there. But I just know that's the kind of support that these contractors need. And they really appreciate it. And I, I like this particular dealer there in Houston. They put their efforts where their mouth is. They really were out there. And, and it was just a wonderful, positive, uplifting way to kick off a new piece of equipment for the crew there. And I think, Chris, you probably saw that as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really
2: important, uh, just like you said, Brad, to to make it a a big deal. This is a new piece of equipment. We want to learn everything we can about it, but we want to treat it like it's our own. That's my process whenever we buy a new piece of equipment and get it delivered.
0: Well, everybody on this podcast, David, uh, who's been recording us, we don't give Dave much credit at all, but our, our kind of our producer there keeps us in line. And I know we're getting down to the end of time. Lonnie and Jason and Scott, thank you again for your effort. Chris, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for extending your time with us today. Those of you that are listening, for more information about podcasts that we do, go to 4 You can certainly listen to all three of these parts again And you never know where they might pop up on some of your other favorite podcast sites. We also have some authors here, Jason Hurtis and Lonnie and Scott and myself. You'll see articles that we write kind of filtered throughout the year and sprinkled here and there. So don't be afraid to call us up, contact us if you need some additional help. But boy, go to those archives of our podcast. There's a lot of good information there. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Find out more information around the topics we covered during the Contractor's Best Friend podcast on the ForConstructionPros.com Profit Matters page. Look for the link on the top of the ForConstructionPros.com website.